Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review hosted by Zeke Changuris. Welcome to WLNM, the web, light novel, and manga review. We are dedicated to bringing our listeners the very special artists and writers that are part of this amazing explosion of creativity, giving us stories to entertain and inspire us. We'd like to welcome J.J. Piedra, the author of original English light novels, A.R. Dragonfly and Final Hope. Uh, welcome, J.J., and uh, let's see, let's just jump into the interview portion of this. So, how many uh, books do you have out there for us to look at? Right now, I have a total of nine books that are published. Uh, two of them belong to Final Hope, which is a very short yet completed series, and I have seven that are currently published in my AR Dragonfly series, with another one coming out um, around the week of May 4th, which would be Volume 8. Okay. Um, now, I, I, I've been looking at AR, uh, at AR Dragonfly, and I looked at Final Hope, and both seem to have a technology-ish. They're not like a, they're not what I would call uh, true fantasy, like you know knights and knights and wizards and such. So, what kind of genre would you describe them as? Uh, with Final Hope, um, it was kind of like my my test to get into writing. Um, I didn't really know if I wanted to actually publish books at that point, but I had uh, this background where I just did like short stories and song lyrics and poetry, and I did character development for nearly 20 years, and I'm like, you know what, let me try my hand at writing a novel. So I basically looked at some of the things I was interested in, and uh, one of my favorite animes at the time was uh, one called Steins Gate, and it had this time travel, you know, sci-fi vibe to it, so I kind of wanted to try my hand at one of those kinds of stories so when i came up with final hope i decided that i was going to stick with the time travel genre sci-fi genre but also mix in kind of like a slice of life aspect to it and it was kind of like me testing the water so when it came to ar dragonfly i took a little bit of different approach and one of the things i loved in life was professional wrestling and i did a lot of character creation in something called e-wrestling for a, a long time and amber ryan the main character of the book was actually an e-wrestler of mine and i took away the whole wrestling aspect and then i was like well let's take her core personality her core beliefs how that she's a gamer and all of a sudden let's see if i can incorporate this into an, to a slice of life as well and so it kind of isn't really technology but it's more or less mixing uh video games so she's a pro gamer and how she deals with social anxiety and all these other things so it's a completely different, you know, genre switch from Final Hope, but it's one I was a little more comfortable at and I was able to flesh out better. Okay. So when you're creating these books, uh, how do you, how do you like to go about creating? Uh, are you a discovery writer? When I was talking with Brandon Burnell um, last week, he was telling me that he never knows where the story is really going to go. He lets the characters lead him. Do you do that? Or are you one of those, I'm going to plot out every arc in every chapter and then follow that plot it's kind of a little bit of both um with final hope i had a beginning a major turning point and an end already in mind so i kind of just went ahead and started writing towards those points 
And as I wrote, I discovered more and more things that I wanted to add. And then some, you know, I, like the first volume originally planned for nine chapters ended up being 12. The second I had planned on having 10 chapters ended up being nine. But I ended up nixing a chapter and replacing it with something completely different because I had this idea along the way. And as I did that, I kind of felt that discovery writing wasn't really for me because I'm constantly changing on the fly. And then, you know, for me, I kind of have a little bit of OCD. So every time I write something, I want to go back and edit it and I want to change it. Like the first chapter of Final Hope took me almost three months to write because I would write it. I would go back and make all these changes and then that would affect like what I want to do later. And it just got complicated. So I tried a little bit of both worlds with AR Dragonfly. I started off by plotting out every chapter. Well, first off, I should say I decided on a set number of chapters per volume, which was seven, which I thought was actually a, a pretty good, you know, healthy length for a light novel. Plus, it also paid homage to my favorite band, Tool, who writes mainly in the seven time signature. So it's kind of like a little hidden reference there. But after I had the seven chapter rule established, I went through and I looked at what I wanted to have happen in the story. And I would plan each volume out to kind of be like an anime season. So like the volume, first volume would have like the beginning arc and then the second volume would have like a tournament arc and the third volume would have like a character development arc. And you would think more along the lines of each volume being like a 12 episode anime series. So it allowed me to pre-plan and get everything in order the way I wanted it to. But at the same time, I realized that as I was going to write, there were going to be instances where... I was going to possibly think of something that I wanted to include, which is the discovery writing part. So even though I had bullet points, I kind of left them a little bit on the loose side. So in case that did happen, I could fill it in and then find ways to tie it in without destroying the overall arc of the story. But I didn't have like an ending in mind with AR Dragonfly when I first started, like I did with Final Hope. I said, I'm just going to keep writing and writing and coming up with ideas. And as long as the story makes sense and doesn't get repetitive or stale i'll keep doing it and then when the time comes where i can't take this story any further or i think it's just going to keep dragging on for length purposes i'll put an end to it which is what i did okay so well i mean that's uh that is a i guess a very familiar uh very familiar uh way of writing for any of us creators and where it is a combination of both um now when you said you were doing character creation and stuff like that uh, early on when you were starting as a writer, uh, what was the what was the motivating factor to to create? Why did you know? Were you one of those people who always had stories in their head they wanted to share, or was it something like you were read read something and it inspired you to then put your own stuff down on paper? Uh, it was actually more or less I just always had stories um, even back I would say even like in middle school I would just write all these short stories and I remember um, I lived in Massachusetts now I live in Florida but my grandparents moved here before I did so I would come down to Florida to visit and my grandfather had a computer back in the days when you know an old like uh, like a Packard Bell computer if they were still around it cost like two grand for it was like less than what we have on our smartphones like 10 years ago you know it's it's crazy yes um but i would actually just use this word processor on there and i would just type out these short stories when i wasn't doing anything on vacation here and i still actually have those short stories um somewhere in a binder 
And that really kicked off my interest because I had all this creativity. I had an imagination, and I discovered I could just put it on paper. Then when high school came about, um, I had this advanced English class, which was kind of run a little bit differently. So every Friday, we would have an open dictionary vocabulary test, which seems like a moot point. But the point of it was to get you to learn all these new words that were given to us. And the catch was, is during the week, up until Friday, you're supposed to write five essays containing the words that you learned on that quiz. So every week it would change. And of course, five was the bare minimum. And I had so many stories I wanted to get out in my head and so many stories that I created just from sitting there trying to use these vocabulary words that I kind of ended up breaking the high school records for a number of uh, essays written. I think previously it was like 30 essays. I finished the year with 63. So I crushed that record. And needless to say, I got 100 in that class. Um, but that was kind of like the beginning where I realized that I just had this ability to, I guess, visualize something in my head and put it to paper. And that's when I started getting more and more into writing and creativity and things of that nature. And that led to me doing you know everyone goes through the whole poetry phase sometimes and then there's the whole you know creating characters and you know writing song lyrics it's basically just taking ideas and putting them onto paper because you don't know what they're going to turn into one day like i didn't think an e-wrestling character would actually turn into a full 12 volume novel series but it happened so it's always good to have a thought and then put it somewhere because you don't know when it's going to come back and become something and that's kind of how I started out and basically became an author today. Yeah, and I don't know whether you would call it a, a poetry phase. For me, uh, I do. I enjoyed writing poetry because I liked the structure. For me, poetry was as much as a puzzle as anything because I, um, I would write in sonnet style because I like trying to find the correct words to express uh, the feeling within the certain rhyme scheme. I guess that is one of the reasons I enjoyed Twitter so much, because you have to convey a message in a certain amount of characters. The... Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I actually, believe it or not, Twitter, when there were like 140 characters, it was challenging. Because you, as a writer, you have so much to say, and a lot of times I like to elaborate on things that I write. So when I was limited to 140 characters, it felt like a prison, and then they changed it to 280, and you're like, oh my god, it's a breath of fresh air. And believe it or not, just doubling it made a world of difference. Well, my wife thinks in almost 140 characters, as far as you'll give, say, can you say this in for Twitter and she'll come up with something off the top of her head that fits in that old 140 character thing. Now her job is digital media and social media. So she's always thinking that way, but I've always found it fascinating that you can give her a, uh, a paragraph and she can distill it down to that uh, tiny little tweet uh, quickly. Uh, what, uh, what is your, the favorite of the two universes or that you've created, or is there a universe that you created in your early days that you'd like to play with because it, it, it meant something to you? I would probably say right now it's AR Dragonfly. Um, I'm not trying to say like Final Hope wasn't special to me, 
but it was because that was obviously my foray into writing light novels, and it was pretty much the launch pad that got me to say, yes, this is what I want to do. But it's like, even though I love Final Hope, I can see now that I've been doing AR Dragonfly, all of the, I guess, mistakes that you do as you know someone who's starting to become a writer, and it's like, well, I didn't stick to chapter lengths, you know, I didn't flesh out this part of the story, I didn't develop this character the way it should, some of these characters seem a little bit more flat than I thought of originally. You know, you see all these little mistakes, but still, you know, people read it and told me they enjoyed it, so that to me, you know, says a lot. But with AR Dragonfly, it's kind of like my second chance, where it's like, okay, now, I, now that I've learned how to do it with Final Hope, I can now start to do this a little more properly. And then it gave me more time to think about the characters since I didn't have an ending in mind, how to develop them, how to tell their stories, how to build the world. And it became more of an emotional attachment to me through that series and Final Hope. Um, so I guess you, a way you could look at it is that it was kind of like an experiment with Final Hope, and then AR Dragonfly was me kind of taking this seriously. And when you take something seriously, you obviously feel a little more attachment to it. Okay. Yeah, the... Now, what you were talking about uh, your English classes. Are you a good writer as it would be graded due to grammatics and mechanics to begin with? Or are you, say, like me, who is not really good at grammatics and mechanics, but is creative with stuff coming out of their ears. Um, you know, I can tell you a story, but I used to write sentences that were a page long. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you want to see an example of that, I have a handwritten attempt at a novel that I did back in uh, summer school. And that's a long story in and of itself, but I have 144 handwritten pages of something I wanted to turn into a novel, and it might as well just be one sentence. <laughs> and there's, like, no structure whatsoever to it. And, uh, like, I just kept writing and writing. Um, but it's it's kind of weird because it's kind of a mixture of both. Um, I, I put basically the words onto the page, and I call that the first draft. And it's not going to make, you know, some sense sometimes, like some of the character dialogue isn't the way I want it, some of the way the words are written are not the way I want it, and when you go back and edit it, that's when I kind of take a look at uh, proper grammar and things of that nature, um, because even though I had all these English classes, you know, the, the lessons stick with you, it's like, you remember stuff getting graded, and you're like, oh, I missed a comma here, or this should not be a comma, this should be a semicolon, or you should not use this set of words, it's supposed to be you know, instead of with, it should be as, or, you know, something like that. And those things, like, stick with you, but I don't worry about that on the first pass. I kind of worry about that as I go through the editing process. So it's kind of a mixture of both. It's like, yeah, I'll put anything down on the papers to where I want it, and then I'll go back, make the changes to the story the way I want it, and then I'll go back and do, like, you know, grammar pass and make sure everything is as close to accurate as the English language is supposed to be. But then again, with, like, the main character amber she has like her own way of speaking so at times i have to throw those rules out the window and make up these words that don't exist just to give her her own you know personality so it's kind of funny that way do you have uh your own set of eyes uh your own spare set of eyes who looks at your stuff for free i mean my wife is my number one editor for me it's just me um that can be so a challenge my, 
to 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 edit your own material can be a challenge because you just don't see what you did wrong because it's right in your head exactly and uh you know i even had feedback where some of the writing isn't um you know as you said not grammatically correct um but it's the way it makes sense to me in my head um i do try you know to do a lot of the editing like my process is i write the first draft then I basically go on to the next book and write the first draft of that because if you write something and then reread it, it's kind of like oversaturating the same stuff in your head. So I like to take a little bit of break and do the next book. Then once that's in first draft, I go back to the previous volume and then read it with a fresh set of eyes like I'm looking at it for the first time because enough time has passed to where it's out of your head and you start remembering what you've written. Then once that's done, I run it through a spell check. Then I run it through... Uh, Grammarly to basically get all that taken care of. Then I set it aside for a while, let it get out of my head for a bit, maybe go edit the second volume, then come back to the first and reread it a, you know, a second time, or I, I should probably say a third time because I had this habit of rereading it as I'm typing. Uh, so if you want to get technical, it is a third time. And then I finally like read it slowly. Like it'll take me a week to read, you know, an entire book versus, you know, the three to four hours or maybe five hours that it takes to normally read it. And I scrutinize and I look at everything and I make sure everything is in order. So it's not like I just write it, read it, and pass it along and say, okay, done, next. I kind of have a little bit of a system where I'm just jumping back and forth between volumes. So that way I always have a fresh you know, set of eyes, quote unquote, when I look at it and then do my best to edit it on my own. Okay. Um, so, well, talking about the, the writing, so what? What's your favorite type of scene to write? Um, are you big on battles? Are you big on dialogue? Or uh, do you like love scenes? What What is your, your favorite type of scene to write? For me, it's uh, basically dialogue. I know with light novels and how they differ from uh, like a regular American novel is they are at times more dialogue heavy than they are with narrative. And I think that gives the characters more personality that way you get to really dive into what they're like through what they say through their actions so whenever i get to a speaking part it's always my favorite thing to write because i'm always giving the personality back to the characters i'm developing them and basically having a platform to present that to the audience and hopefully they connect with what i'm writing in that way uh so me like the narrative and the scenes are important but I feel the dialogue and the characters drive a story just as much as the actual base story itself. So those are always the fun things to write because you always have different personalities. You can do like different types of scenarios with them. You can have a lot of fun and a lot of openness and creativity with the way their personalities are. And it also sets limits too because you know if you have someone as snarky, they're not going to be genuinely nice all the time. If you have someone who is nice, they're not going to you know, lash out at someone. So you, you kind of have to like find that balance of where they are. And that's actually a really fun part is to try and stay within the guidelines that you set, but also make it, you know, entertaining and relatable as possible too. So battle scenes are nice. I have them in air dragonfly because I like to depict, you know, the video game that Amber plays, which is called blazors. So I'd like to write out matches for that, which stems from me uh, being a match writer in e-wrestling. I would write out, professional wrestling matches all the time so i kind of got the sense of you know the flow of battle um but 
sometimes it's a little bit tedious because you got to think, you know, far ahead. It's like, how does a battle play out? Like, what happens? What kind of action sequence can I do? There's a lot of planning, and it's not just like writing it straight through. What dialogue, though, it it does. It's almost like discovery writing because you can start talking, and all of a sudden, it's like you're having the conversation with the character in your head. And you just start writing out what they're saying as it's happening in your mind, whereas battle scenes are a little bit different. So it's a little bit easier to write dialogue. So I think that kind of leans towards like my favorite scenes to write. You know, what uh, what authors do you admire? Um, like one from the past and one from the present. Like for me, if I would say writers I admire, I love F. Scott Fitzgerald, but my favorite writer of the modern era is actually uh I love Aaron Sorkin. I love his dialogue. It he it he makes I watch a scene and I'm like that's an Aaron Sorkin written scene because the dialogue is punchy, it's fast and uh it's smart. How about you? Uh actually kind of an odd answer here, but I actually don't really have a favorite writer because I barely actually read. It actually <laughs> makes any sense whatsoever. And I know it's just like, how can you be a writer if you don't read anything? Um, it, it's it's weird because the thought of writing is more compelling to me than the thought of reading. I mean, obviously, I will go back and read my own work in order to you know edit it. Uh, but when it comes to sitting down with an actual book, it it's kind of weird because I'm always doing things. I'm if I'm not, you know, writing, I'm doing stuff with the website I work for, the Outer Haven. If I'm not doing that, I'm working my eight to five job Monday through Friday. If I'm not doing that, I'm trying to get caught up watching anime. I'm trying to get caught up on the games I'm behind on. I'm reading mangas and stuff for review um, because they're hours shorter than novels. So it's like if I'm sitting down with a book, I know it's going to take several hours or a couple days to get through. And all the while I'm doing that. I have this like nagging feeling that I should be doing something else. Uh, I know it's it's like a, re- a relaxation thing. It's a leisure thing to read something, but I'm always the type of person who likes to be productive. And if I'm doing something that's relaxing, it makes me feel like I'm not being productive and I have to go do something else. It's like the same way like watching an anime. Like I used to be able to binge a whole anime series in like one sitting, and now I'll get like two episodes in and I'm like. I gotta stop this and go do something, you know. And it's the same thing with like a video game. Like I could do like an all-night gaming session before. Now I play for like an hour or maybe an hour and a half, and it's the point where like I need to stop. I have to go do something else. And it's because I've taken on so much um, in my day-to-day life to the point where I'm so constantly like doing things that I'm so used to just working on something. So the concept of taking the time to leisurely sit down and do something is almost a foreign concept to me now, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but I know some other people actually feel that way too, and it's like you're always having that need to be productive, almost like it's trying to produce that dopamine trip for you uh, to get you through you know, that day and to make you feel excited and good about what you're doing to make you feel productive. And... Uh, yeah, so I, I barely read. I mean, I have read some other original English light novels before. I've read um, Journey of a Portrayed Hero from Brandon Varnell, who you um, interviewed on the last show. I watch, I've not watched. I've read... Um, oh, man, I can't think of the name of it now. 
but it's from Pedro Rodriguez. Uh, I've read um, Koji Kondo's book. I've um, read stuff from Sora Ana from Fix Lab. Uh, so I've read some other novels, but it it's like few and far between when I do. And it's not like a slight to anyone that I didn't read their work. It's the fact that it's finding the time to do it and convincing myself it's okay to actually sit there for that length of time and actually read it. Yeah, well, I, I can understand that. I grew up in a family where you never uttered the reference. You never uttered, you. I'm bored. Because if you said, I'm bored, sure as heck, you'd, they'd, my parents would find something for you to do. Uh, you you met, mentioned anime a couple of times. So what would you say is uh, possibly your favorite series? Definitely Steins Gate, um, without question. Uh, I'm not really big on science fiction in the broad scope of things, but I do love two aspects of science fiction, one of which is time travel. The other one is artificial intelligence, which is why I combined uh, both of those genres into Final Hope. Uh, and Steins Gate, to me, kind of takes the whole notion of time travel and does like the best job explaining it that I've seen so far i mean you've got your doctor who stuff you got your back to the future stuff you know you have all that stuff for you know that genre but Steinsgate really goes into how you're not really traveling through time per se but you're actually moving between world lines where the changes you make are reflected in that different world line and it was a really interesting concept and of course the characters and the story were just so amazing to see unfold that it just really captivated me it's one of the very few shows that i gave a perfect rating to even though there were you know some flaws people would argue but it's about as close to a perfect anime for me than anything i've seen but outside of that um i do love some like the some of the classics like neongenous evangelion which i thought was an absolutely amazing show um your cowboy bebop uh your full metal alchemist you know things like that were absolutely outstanding uh, but there's like a million series that I, that I really enjoy, but Steins Gate was always one that stuck out the most. Well, I, I can agree with you. Uh, Steins Gate is, is stupendous, as is Cowboy Bebop, but I get crap all the time because I am just not an Evangelion fan. I just, it, the series to me just doesn't seem, it, they say, call, say it's a mecha series, but it's not a mecha series. Those are technically uh zombies that have armor plated on them it it just doesn't work for me at all (laughs) Um, that's fine i mean one of my mantras with anime it's like watch what you want to watch like what you want to like if someone else doesn't agree with it oh well that's their opinion yeah like what you like and that's all there is to it I, i i repeat this again and again especially to the twitter universe uh there i've never seen a bad anime i've only seen ones that just don't appeal to me every story has validity uh and that every story that gets made is somebody's passion and it's not my right to say that it sucks it's my right to say that it just didn't work for me um thinking about that uh thinking about what we might recommend to other people um tell me a little bit about the database that you're constructing so one of the things that I tried to do with AR Dragonfly was I decided to try and get it get it out there by crafting press releases and sending them out to you know some of the major news sites like Anime News Network, Crunchyroll, things like that. And 
obviously, you know, with me not being a well-known author or, you know, AR Dragonfly being a series that's, you know, famous or popular, the chances of me getting my press releases picked up were next to zero, and of course, none of that happened. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of frustrating when you have to do all your self-marketing to try and get your name out there, and the door just keeps getting closed at, you know, every chance that you have to open one. So, I decided to ask Keith Mitchell, who is the editor-in-chief for The Outer Haven, the site that I work for, if it was okay if I could turn The Outer Haven into kind of like the safe haven for original English light novelists. So they would have a place that would actually not reject a press release, or they would have a place to hype up their stories or upcoming books, and you know, just treat it as the site that would actually post news for them on their behalf. And um, we worked it out, and we also came up with the idea of the original English light novel database, where it would go beyond just you know, posting news stories for them, but also list them on the site in their own dedicated section where it'd have a biography biography for them. It would have links to their books, links to their social media, um, pictures of their book covers, things of all that. So if anyone went to the site, they could click on the database and then discover all these authors. And of course, our database is not the uh, first one to do it. Um, Justice Stone, um, who is a prevalent YouTuber who reviews light novels has his own website as well called originalenglishlightnovels.com and he has a database set up as well so I'm not the first to do it um, but I am the first website to actually offer the ability for people to post actual news stories and press releases too so that played a big part in it and I decided if we're going to do this I don't want to charge for it because we're all you know, independent artists. We spend all of our money on publishing the books. We spend money on commissions for the character art. Uh, sometimes we spend money on editors or, you know, things like that. So we're always working on tight budgets and we're relying on our eight to five jobs or whatever type of jobs we have to pay for all that along with all of our bills. So I wanted to do this to where anyone could do it for free. All they have to do is basically um, submit to me their news story, their cover for their books, a 16 by 9 image, uh, so I can put it up on you know the front page, so it would have an image to go with the story, and that's pretty much it. I would post it for them. It takes you know less than five minutes of my time to post a story, then it gets viewed by our audience, which is roughly between 150 to 200 thousand people a month, and you know like I said, I can't promise fame or riches. I can't promise sales. What I can promise is that people will have a platform they can turn to to, you know, promote their light novels without any money investment whatsoever. And the database is just an optional thing. If they want to add their name to it, they can go to the outerhaven.net. There's a form on there. They could fill it out, and I will personally add them to the database, and they will live there until either the site shuts down, which will probably never happen, or they come to me and say, I don't want to be on the database anymore. So... Um, it's basically just that free platform that people can use to promote their light novels and get their voices out there. And honestly, it's something that our community needs because there's a lot of stigma out there about original English light novels that they're not legitimate light novels. They don't come from Japan. So therefore, they're not true material worth reading. And these people are amateur people that don't know how to write a book, but if you actually read some of the light novels in Japan, not all of them, but <laughs> they're not exactly the most well-written books either. So, 
you know, it, it's a big stigma that we're trying to overcome with the OELN community just being so niche and so new that someone out there just has to, you know, give them the chance. And that's what I'm trying to do with the, the database. All right. So uh, when's your next volume of Dragonfly coming out? Right now, volume eight is, well, it's slated for quote unquote May 4th, but it's technically the paperback is out now. Um, if you want to, you know, dig deep and, you know, search for it, you can find it on Amazon for nine ninety nine. Um, but the actual release date is May 4th. And the reason why it's up there now is because uh, one of the things I like to do with each volume is do um, physical autographed copies. I know a lot of my close friends love autographed copies. And by doing that, I've gotten some people within the community who have started to get autographed copies. So I wanted to make sure that the book was available for me to order my author copies of on May 4th. So I didn't want to like submit it on the day it released and then go through the 72 hour process that Amazon usually takes to approve it. And then May 10th or May 11th, whenever, you know, it finally goes through approval, I order it. And then two weeks later I get it. And then now it's June by the time these people are getting their copies that they pre-ordered. So I wanted to make sure the book was live and unfortunately that's the only way you can order author copies is if the book is live so that's why i pushed it out a little bit ahead of time um but it is there now if you really really want to get it but if you want to get the um the digital version of it as well the kindle version that will be on on may 4th because that usually takes like 24 hours to approve so i'll do that over the prior weekend um but yeah that's the week i'm aiming for the official launch and that's the day I'll also be ordering the author copies for people who want to have a signed version, which they should get by the end of the month. All right. Uh, JJ, thank you for joining me. Uh, I can tell you, can't tell you because you already know how exciting it is to live in this age where uh, creators have platforms that they can share their works with. Uh, I personally think every creator deserves a chance to be heard and that seems to be along what you're doing with the database. I hope any of our listeners take time to describe to this fledgling channel, WLNM, where we hope to continue to highlight the best the independent creators have to offer. Thank you for listening. You can contact JJ on Twitter at JJPiedra, O-E-L-N, through his website at JoshuaJPiedra.com or Look up the original EnglishLightNovels.com for his database. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe so we can continue to bring you the best these new creators have to offer. And to you listeners, thank you for your time and keep reading. This has been a WLNM podcast.